Welcome to the Untoxicated Podcast. <laughs> well, I'm Sherry Salis, and that was my husband, Matt. We have questions about the impact of alcohol and addiction on relationships. If you have those kinds of questions, too, you're in the right place. Here we go. Sherry, we try to pick relevant topics to talk about in this podcast, but try as we may, it's still just a one-way conversation. You know what I mean? That you do most of the talking? <laughs> no. That's, that's not what I meant. I mean, okay. Maybe that was a stupid way to start because it really, it's, it is a two-way conversation. It's one-sided. Well. Or, what do you mean? And obviously, you can tell I do not impart on the topics most of the time. For our podcast. Well, what I mean is, we tried it, we, you know, I said, okay, we. I say we because a teacher once told me, don't say I, say we, it's more inclusive, and it's less braggy. Okay, I sit there, and I scratch my head, and I try to think of what the topic should be, but, you know, and, and I think sometimes we pick good ones, and sometimes we pick mediocre ones, and I suppose there's some, some air biscuits floating around out there. <laughs> It's funny because every once in a while we'll record one and we're just, you and I are so busy, like what's got to be on to the next thing. And you and I walk out of this room like, that's going to be a waste of people's time. I yeah. can't believe anyone will ever listen we to that. We should preface this by saying, I wouldn't bother. Yeah, <laughs> just skip a week. But no, so we try to pick decent topics and have good two-way conversations, not one-way conversations. But what I mean when I say it's a one-way conversation is, it's not like the listener Gets to provide feedback or or tell us their story or ask questions of their own. It's it's just us talking and hoping that it lands with people. Yeah. Now it, I see what you're saying. Now it makes it only took me a minute and forty five seconds to get my question to make That's sense. That's actually pretty short. <laughs> That's not bad for me. But so one of our friends in our Echoes of Recovery group had what I think potentially might be a really really good suggestion. She suggested that we do some kind of a Q&A thing where people get to ask us questions. Not that we're experts, but just because we have experience and maybe we aren't hitting the topics or all the topics that they necessarily want to know. Maybe there's a piece yeah. of our story that we just haven't gotten to or we've touched on, but we haven't spent much time on. And that's what they really want to hear. And so... Uh, we should give people a chance to make it a two-way, two-way conversation, a two-way conversation that you and I converse about. God, that sounds stupid. So we did it internally within the Echoes of Recovery group. We, uh, she actually said, "Hey, does anyone have questions for Matt and Sherry that they haven't covered that you, you've always wanted to hear?" And it really, the response was overwhelming. I was shocked at how many. Because I feel like, especially with our Echoes friends, we're an open book and we have lots of conversations. No, but I apparently... I didn't think there was anything that we were hiding. Yeah. But well, I don't know that we're hiding. hiding. We just we're haven't gotten around to yet. Just haven't flapped our gums about. Just haven't flapped our gums about. <laughs> My teacher told me to say we, so it doesn't sound boastful. Your teacher told you to say we because it's not mean. Because what you really want to say is you. You, Matt, haven't flapped your gums about. <laughs> Either way, it's nice of you to say we. So if you have a question out there that you'd like us to address, 
uh, as with everything on our podcast, this is not fully vetted and well thought out. So <laughs> I'm not sure if we're just going to have one and, episode where we cover all the questions right. or if we're going to... we're gonna... not looking Do... for questions, that would be... I'm sorry to interject, but we're not looking for questions because, you know, we're not psychologists or therapists. Good point. It would be speaking from Very... our point of view, from the encounters we've had with other people based on our experiences, those sort of things. Cause so it wouldn't be anything that I think that could, I don't want to say substantial, but it wouldn't be anything that we could really speak to from the mental health point of view. I mean, it might be, you know, if it was something along those lines. Yeah, good point. We don't want people to, like, ask us advice thinking they're going to get some, you know, professional help because that's not it at all. This, yeah, this is just our experiential advice. Just, hey, and, you and, never talked about this. Did you? Yeah. Did this happen to you or... Mm-hmm. Um, what did you do when this happened? That kind of a thing, right? Yeah. I mean, I guess you can ask any question you want. We'll just, we'll be a little bit careful about what we'll answer because we don't want to answer questions that were really meant for a therapist or a psychologist. Yeah. And how would a person go about asking those questions? Then? Well, a person could send me an email. Oh, I, I just did want to finish. I don't, sorry. I don't know if we'll do, if we're just going to do one episode where we answer all the questions or if we'll just answer a couple of questions at the beginning or at the end of episodes going forward or we haven't figured that out yet so don't know you know if you ask a question be patient maybe we'll answer it i don't know but yes if you'd like to ask a question just send me an email send it to matt with two t's at sober and unashamed.com matt at sober and unashamed.com now you might be thinking that horse's ass who talks all the time is trying to be the gatekeeper and keep good questions away from Sherry. That's not the case. Sherry doesn't want anything to do with collecting the questions. Sherry, I mean, I mean that's fair. You you do a great job talking on the podcast, but you don't want to be the admin person. I mean, I would like to go over the questions with you. Okay, great. Yeah. It just... Let me just say what I said on one of our other podcasts. You are, like, I feel like your fingertips are always ready to type an answer for emails. So we get them, and it's joint. Often you're just the quicker to respond because you are sometimes working hands-on with your computer and keyboard more closely than I am during the daytime a lot of the times. Yeah. So I, I do read things. I just Oh, yeah. I, if that, if I that sounded respond. like an insult, I didn't no, mean for it to. But, I mean, I think that... You're very good with your email. And, I and just... you will share... You will share the questions. I just with me. don't. I just know you don't want the administrative burden. Yeah, I'll you'll join it. me here and talk about it. It'll be great. Maybe you'll do all the talking. Maybe I'll just be quiet. You can answer the questions. <laughs> if you want to ask Sherry a question, address it to Matt at soberandunashamed.com. I promise I won't act as a gatekeeper. Another reason we don't want to add to your administrative burden is you're sick. And I think we should mention that because... Just right now, today. Just your voice. forever. Yeah, well, I hope not. But in case it comes across in your voice that way, I just thought we should let our listeners know. Yes. You're You're a trooper. Not only are you doing this podcast, we are actually recording two today so we can get ahead so we don't have to do one Thanksgiving week when our daughter and son are home from college. Yes. So you are doing double duty on a sick day. Yeah. No, Pretty no, impressive. Not even doing it from my bed. I'm sitting upright. Very, very much so. (laughs) You look great. You don't look sick. Hope you feel better soon. Thanks. So, 
what we're going to do for today is the person who had this whole Q&A idea, she asked the first question, and I think it's a big one. So we are going to talk about her question here today. That's going to be the subject of this podcast episode. And so, so no, when, if, if we get, hopefully we'll get lots of questions from listeners. We're not going to make each question its own individual podcast episode. And just from now until the end of time, we'll answer one question a week from a, a listener email. But this one's got legs. This one uh, is something that we can talk about for a while. And so we're, that's what we're going to do. Today's topic is the answer to the initiator of this idea's first question. So I'm going to read the question first, and then we can talk about it. Matt and Sherry, you have had a positive impact on so many lives, myself included. I can honestly say that finding your podcast and Echoes of Recovery has changed my life. How does that make you feel? Well, the first thing I want to say is I am embarrassed to read that out loud because that's a very flattering thing for her to say. And I just feel like I'm sitting here being boastful and self-serving by reading that question. It, it legitimately, it's this is not a humble brag that it was hard for me to read that. Yeah. That is it's sort of embarrassing. Sort of embarrassing. I do not feel that way. I don't want to necessarily argue with our our friend but um but yeah that's embarrassing and and here's the honest and probably surprising truthful answer and in this answer is the reason that we're making this the topic of the whole podcast episode because it ties directly in to addiction it ties directly into why I became a high functioning alcoholic and why so many people become high functioning alcoholics. So, you know, when you listen to this answer, don't just think, oh, whatever, that's this one guy's stupid experience. Who cares? It's dumb. It's not dumb. This ties to addiction directly. So here's my honest answer to how it makes me feel that we do this work and that as, as this person asked that we, we have changed lives. It doesn't feel rewarding or joyful or impactful or make me proud. Uh, That's the honest truth. I don't, I wish I got those feelings, but I don't. Do you, Sherry? That is a very surprising answer, I would say, Matt. Um, Because I feel like oftentimes you have to be the one, that's not my cheerleader, but reminds me that me sharing our story and being so honest is allowing people to not feel alone and that I should be proud of the work. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm a little choked up. I really kind of find that surprising because you're the one that has encouraged it. Um, you're the one that kind of started it when you kind of shouted about your sobriety. I feel like you opened the door. I can see not being... You know, like, like it, it can bring you solace and it can bring you comfort that we're doing this work. But I feel sad that it has to be done. Just that alcohol and addiction can ruin so many relationships and so many people's lives. 
that it makes me really kind of mad that this has to be done and it it makes me mad that it's not it hadn't really been talked about a lot before um you know that there's so much for the alcoholic side of things. There's thankfully so many other programs besides AA now that are kind of getting into some of the the reasons for addiction and, and like brain chemistry and nutrition and um, you know that side of it. But it kind of it kind of was shocking and surprising that when we were in this situation that there wasn't a whole lot of options out there. And a Al-Anon just didn't seem, that seemed ridiculous to me. Al-Anon did? Yeah. Why? Well, I mean, for one, I was worried about going face-to-face in a, in a group. But then I had, you know, read that, like, there was that let go and let God. And I'm like, gosh, I've been praying to God. Yeah. And I trust and believe, but I need something more tangible. Um, and that, yes, that there's step work that I need to be done, but codependency just sounded so negative and it just seemed so, it seemed very negative to me. Yeah. And, and, and being secretive about it in a way, but in your own group, but not getting any feedback, not having a conversation and you have this community, but it's a very closed off, isolated community not saying people can't be friends outside of that meeting time but I can see that a lot of people wouldn't want to because they just want to close the door when they go back out into the real world but so doing the stuff we do makes you feel sad because it has to be done you referenced the fact that you know I have to kind of cheerlead sometimes and say hey You know, like, okay, here are the numbers. Look at the downloads. Look at the podcast downloads. Look at the people participating in the programs. You know, doesn't that make you feel good, Sherry? You know, one thing that I noticed looking at you is I definitely think it motivates you. Um, You know, when I first started, you know, begging you to be on the podcast and you first started reluctantly sitting down and talking across this microphone for me, um, you know, you definitely didn't understand why we were doing this or why this was important or why you were being asked to share, you know, personal details. Mm-hmm. And you, you see why now, like the numbers are enough to convince you of why now, right? Yes. Yes. It's, it's hard to yeah. do it sometimes. And, you know, sometimes there are things that I don't go into full detail about sharing because sometimes I just feel like it's just too personal, too painful, too private, too intimate. But I think that most of our listeners know that we all have those kind of secrets. Yeah. I don't remember where I heard this. It might've been my writing coach that I had a few years ago, or it might've been something that a memoirist wrote, but I remember I remember reading, you know, even if it's somebody that you think is telling you, if even if you're hearing from someone or reading from someone and they're going to a depth that you would never yourself be comfortable going to, and you think, oh my gosh, this person doesn't have any secrets. Oh yeah, they do. 
if they're <laughs> if they're sharing a lot, then there's there's other stuff that's being withheld. And so, yeah, for sure, there's stuff that we've never talked about, and there's stuff that we never will talk about. Yeah, that feels like a tangent. I'm not sure. I mean, I know it's. I think we're just talking about the fact that you are willing to talk about the uncomfortable on this podcast, and that that's a huge benefit to the listeners. I mean, we wouldn't still be doing this if you hadn't gotten to some degree comfortable with talking about this hard stuff, because that's what people want to hear, but it's what people need to hear. Yeah, I mean, like, I I thought, I mean, I looked into it a little bit about, you know, spousal recovery, and then I was like, oh, I don't really need to once we get alcohol out of our lives. There wasn't any, like, truth behind it. And then when we started doing the podcast and and then um, we branched off and did echoes of recovery. Like I was just shocked because I had stopped researching and I had, you know, I, I was shocked to find that nothing had really grown in those two, two and a half years um, between your and, you know, your attempt at sobriety and, well, not attempt, but your permanent sobriety that you have now and until I was seeing a therapist. So I was really shocked. Um, so I think that it does keep me motivated and it does keep me participating and wanting to continue. Do you feel obligated? No, I wouldn't say I feel obligated. Me neither. I feel honored in a way that people, (laughs) I don't even look, I mean, I don't listen to just the you and I podcast. So that's no surprise. We think we've mentioned it like every podcast. Um, but I'm honored that people want to listen to the story and listen to what we have to say because maybe it is because we're being real and we're not doctors. I know sometimes we make mistakes and we have, you know, had faux pas on the podcast, but that people are forgiving of that. Well, I think it's a... I think we try to be really clear that it's a learning experience. I mean, I've said more than once that I love to be wrong because if I'm right, I'm not learning anything. And I just love to learn new things. I love to learn about humans and how we interact with each other. And so I like being wrong because then it's, it's challenging an assumption that I've been making incorrectly. Yeah. And so I enjoy that. And I think it's evolving because as we're learning, we're learning more and we're gaining more knowledge. So... I don't want to keep it, like, secret. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So those those same numbers that I have, I occasionally share with you to, to keep you, I don't know, motivated or just to, to make sure you understand that you're having an impact um, because I don't want you to feel like your time is wasted. And at the beginning, you felt like your time was wasted. Like, why are we doing this? And then when things started to take off a little bit, then I think you realized your time wasn't being wasted. Those same, you know, statistics, those same numbers, they, you know, back to our our friend's original question, how does that make you feel? It it doesn't make me feel all those those things that I think would be expected like like proud or impactful or joyful. It it makes me feel driven. And that's both a good thing and a bad thing. And here's what I mean. You know, you and I both, we have kids. We have the nonprofit that we're running. We, we do this work. 
We both have other jobs. You work at a preschool. I coach high school soccer. I work at a church. Yep. We we have other, you know, so we've got a lot of balls in the air. And again, not a humble brag. Not meant that way at all. I know a lot of our listeners. And I know all of the people in our programs. They all have a ton of balls in the air, too. So I just think this is how humans live these days. I just, I mean, this is just what it's like. So I'm not singling myself out when I say I've got a lot of balls in the air. I think everyone does. I mean, there's this thing called hustle culture now, which is, you know, specifically kids of the, you know, we were kind of brought up in the 80s when Wall Street was a popular movie and going, you know, I went to business school because that was the most revered thing I could do coming from my high school experience to going to college, go to business school, get a business degree, make a bunch of money, work ridiculous hours, wear fancy suits. And, and from that has spawned this hustle culture where it's like, it's a point of, uh, bragging who can say that they work the more hours in the week. Now the generation after us has a very different outlook, a much healthier outlook. And well, healthier to one degree, you know, maybe they take it too far. I think I've shared, we had an employee at the bakery once that said, I just want to work 30 hours a week from home and have all my needs met. Is that too much to ask? Mm-hmm. And I said, yes, yes, that's, that's too much to ask. But you know, our generation is the opposite. We want to work hard, play hard. Ooh, that's great. We'll get all the sleep we need when we're dead. That hustle culture thing is, it's a, I look at it very much so as a negative, and I'm caught up in it. But so here we are with all these balls in the air, and then we find this one, again, going back to the the listener to our friend's question, we find this one, and it's got legs. You know, um, the Echoes of Recovery group has taken off. The podcast has a lot of listeners now. Um, and it's when I say it's got legs, I don't mean that from a financial standpoint. I don't mean that from a, you know, Wall Street was an important movie of my childhood standpoint, because it's not, it's really honestly not about that for me. And I know it's not about that for you. It's about this searching for answers. I mean, if, if you've got a lot of questions and you want to figure out the answers and you find out you're alone, then you start to kind of wonder, well, what does it matter? Like, you know, then maybe this is just a silly hobby. But when you've got a lot of questions and you want to find out answers and you find out there's a lot of other people that have those same questions and they want answers too, then it starts to feel like, I don't know, like like you're kind of on a mission. Does that make sense? Yes. You were dusting a plant while I was talking, so maybe you kind of zoned out on me. Well, just the hustle culture thing. Um... I mean, I've heard that one before, so it was easy for me to multitask. Um, I think that, well, I had a, I had a good thought. I'm searching there. for answers and then feeling like kind answers, of a mission. Feeling, yeah, but no, it was kind of spiraling off of that. Um, more back to the question about how I feel like you kind of feel alone, like, if you're not finding the answers. And I think that nowadays podcasts have a lot to offer in a variety of topics. Um, I feel like our podcast, I feel like, is a little bit more 
homey and kind of like your friend. And that's where I feel like I am most driven to kind of build this community of people. Um, I feel like our community, whether it's the Shout Sobriety, the Marriage Evolution, or the Echoes of Recovery group, um, and even the other parts of our nonprofit with um, writing groups, I feel like we're trying to build community, and that's where I feel a little more driven. Building relationships. Because um, I know, like, a lot of the AAs, like, you need your community and stuff, but they can be very isolating. And AA can, we've heard, can take a lot of time away for the spouse that's in recovery for years, away from the family and their 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 need to rebuild. So I feel like we're trying to... It can be kind of an addiction of its own. Right, right. And, a, and I would say almost like a, not a distancing thing, but a diverging factor because the spouse isn't necessarily included in the AA stuff. So I feel like we're trying to kind of bring it together in some of our ways, um, that it is more of a community from healing from both sides with some of our aspects. And, and I feel like that's what's kind of my driving reason to continue on with this. And that gives me, um, you know, it gives me like, it feeds the ambition of like keeping me going forward. That's nice to hear because community is so important and you know it took me 45 years on this earth to understand that money doesn't make me happy even though so much of my time and effort has been centered around money i mean you've got to provide for your family and you know if you feel that pressure to provide for your family then it doesn't make you an evil you know, tycoon just to, to focus on money a lot, but it's empty. It's an empty focus. It, it never feel, it doesn't feel good when it's going well. It doesn't feel good when it's going bad for me. And I think a lot of people, it just doesn't feel good. So I love that you're driven to focus on community because that's what feels good. I'll give you an example. You mentioned writing groups. One of the things we do I have a writing group on Thursday mornings and it's an in-person, it's a local one here. It's a small group. There's, you know, a half a dozen regulars. We get up to a dozen people when we get some once in a while people that show up. So it's not a huge group. Oh my gosh, I look forward to that. I enjoy that so much. There's no pressure on me to deliver. I know all these people really well at this point. So if my writing prompt for the week sucks, then whatever. Nobody cares. Um, they still write to it and we try and we have some laughs and it's enjoyable. So, and that's all community. Mm -hmm. They are, you know, we, they are another, they're, what's the saying, you know, you've got the family you're born into and then the family you choose. Well, we have all chosen each other. We've chosen to keep making the commitment to meet on, on Thursdays at, at this cafe and, and, and share each other's company. And we come from all kinds of different backgrounds, like not a thing alike about us, but it's really, it's really cool. So I love the driving force behind community for you. You know, fear is a driver for me, and this is where it's going to tie into addiction. I live in constant fear that we're going to head the wrong direction. So I love that you said that you feel like 
our podcast is more homey, more, is that what the word used? Yeah, down to earth. Down to like earth. your friends just talking. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the right thing to do. Sometimes I think, oh my God, who would want to listen to a couple of married people just talking about their problems? With the dog barking and the neighbor's <laughs> dog barking in the background. And... A leaf must have fallen from <laughs> yeah. the tree because the dog is in attack mode again. <laughs> yeah, like those sort of things or me making fun of you, you know. Yeah. But Well, I give you lots of opportunities there but I do I live in a constant state of fear that we're going to head in the wrong direction and it you know so here's an analogy I don't know if this is a good analogy but I think of Robin Williams who I have I've watched every documentary I can find and read every book I can find on Robin Williams I'm a big Robin Williams fan and I've heard him say many times you know, he talks about the high that he got from the reaction of the crowd. Like when he's just riffing and doing his best and telling jokes and people are going with it. That is as good as he is. He was. It was possible for him to feel. That was a euphoric high. And then, you know, as soon as he gets off stage. I mean, this is why he was an alcoholic and use drugs because he was trying to maintain that high but as soon as he was away from all of that he would go into a panic that he'd never get it again and you know we're not famous so it's not a particularly good analogy <laughs> true and i'm i couldn't i would panic if i was ever uh with a microphone and the bright light and trying to tell jokes like that i just can't imagine what that piece of it is like but we are connected to people and we get constant reminders that we're connected to people because we hear from people. More people want to join our programs and we see the numbers of the podcast downloads. And I mean, we're not setting the world on fire, right? We're not smartless. We're not some famous person's podcast, right. but it's going up and it's consistent. And that tells me that we're connecting to people. And I am in a constant state of panic that we're going to lose that connection. And that's the kind of thing that a person with an addictive personality has to medicate, that panic. Mm -hmm. So so something good happens. Um, we, you know, we get an email from somebody that says, oh, you know, this, this really touched me. You're telling my story. You have helped me process. Something like that, right? And... The loaded question that our that this podcast is based on, how does it make you feel when you when you realize you've changed someone's life? The loaded question, what what the expected answer is, that must feel great to get that email and someone says, You've touched me and you've helped me and I'm gonna move forward and I'm gonna be okay. That must make you feel great. It doesn't. That makes me say, Oh, okay, keep going. Okay, we're still on we're still on the right path. We haven't veered off. So it isn't, you know, satisfaction. There's no, there's never peace in it for me. There's never, you know, that was a good day's work. I can take a breath and feel good about myself. There's always a constant panic that, okay, we're still on path. So we need to keep going. But what if we get off path? Mm. How does that make you feel to know that that's how I feel? Well, I do. Make you worry about me? Well. Make you want to check me in to 
somewhere with straight jackets? Not, not that far. Um, I, I do understand your fear because you will express your concern or worry and want to analyze things. Like right now I'm sitting here thinking, I thought talking about this would be a good idea, but now I'm wondering, does this just sound self-serving and bloviating and have people already checked out? Like that's literally what I'm thinking while you're talking. But please, back to you. Because <laughs> I'm you. not listening to a damn thing you're saying, Sherry. I'm just going to be in my own head. Um, uh, let's see. Good thing I didn't take cold medicine this morning yet. Um, no, I it, I think that it makes, but it makes you um, like saying that out loud makes you authentic, and I think the driving force in that worry, are we still being authentic? Because you and I have watched people in our community that are doing really great things. But we we watched some stuff and we were like, wow, they are not getting into the to the weeds about things. They aren't being authentic. They're polished. They're yeah. smooth. Yeah. They say all the right things. But it's just enough where you and I, I feel like we are, we are just... Blech, we are here. I mean, I'm not wearing makeup today on a call, you know, because it was my errand day and it's a Zoom call, but, well, I didn't have time for makeup. Those people would have never gone without having fully makeup, you know. Um, so I just think that we are more authentic, and for me, I feel like that's Somebody who is driving... more polished would do something about that dog, for instance. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, because the other room wasn't quite as quiet. I tested it out, not oh. with the recording, but you could still hear that damn dog barking. And I do really like dogs. It's not that I'm all a dog hater. It's just he's too lonely. I feel bad for him. Um, but I think that your fear is, are we going to go the wrong path? My fear is I feel like sometimes we need to be a little more smooth and a little more <laughs> knowledge. And like when we're recording podcasts, if we, you know, if you bring up something and you're like, I don't know, somebody said something, something like this, you know. I'm like, uh, couldn't have figured out that quote beforehand, you know. But we don't have a fact checker. We don't we do not do that. And we've got the other balls to keep up in the air as soon as we hit the stop button. <laughs> but I think being authentic is, is building an authentic community that we have behind us. I think we are giving the opportunity to be open and truthful and authentic and real instead of saying slogans and being polished and being part of a community that's like that. So I think that's why when we hear back from listeners or the blog comments or things we hear in groups, like these people are genuinely being real and that's what I like about it. And that's, that's something that makes me feel good about what we're doing because we're allowing people to be authentic and genuine and, you know, like not afraid to be who they are or what, or be afraid of their feelings a lot of times. That's very interesting for me to hear you say because that has been a transition for you because at the beginning... You know, you would say, I already said this, but I said, you would say, why are we doing this? You know, I don't understand. But part of it was, I don't understand who the hell cares what we have to say. Who the hell cares what we think? Why would anyone want to listen to us? Right. And, and so you've come around on that and come around to valuing the authenticity. Like that's, that's why somebody should care because we're being authentic. Not because 
we went to school for eight years. Yeah, and I also, I mean, being authentic, again, is like allowing this community to organically build. It's just happening because everybody can feel very open and trusting of the people that are part of these different communities that we have. And I think that listeners, even if they're not part of our groups, could could send an email and make a comment and know that, I hope they would know, that all feelings and ideas and thoughts are welcome. And just to be truthful and, and be open. Yeah. Yeah. I think they do. I hope they do. Mm-hmm. I should put it that way. I hope they do. Yeah. I mean, we definitely hear from people who have ideas, not just about the podcast, but about echoes or about shout or whatever. Um, and we're eager to get those ideas and, mm-hmm. and we welcome them and we, you know, we don't implement everything everyone ever suggests. Sometimes it's a great idea. I just can't figure out how to do it. Right. Like, like there's just not, it's a bandwidth problem. Yeah. A lot of the times. Yeah. Sometimes it's a great idea, but that's somebody else's mission and not ours. And so that's just not the direction that we're going. And then I'll lose sleep wondering if we should have gone that direction instead of the one we're on. Yeah. Because of the fear. You know, the fear for me, and again, this is how it relates to addiction. There is no satisfaction in this because the answers that we stumble upon just create more questions, you know, like what's next. And I think that's because we're in the middle of an evaluation of a component of the human experience. And I don't think there are answers. I think it's all, you know, one thing you figure out just leads to the next thing you got to go figure out. I think that's the way it's meant to be. One of the things that's frustrated me that I've I've shared with you is, you know, we've gotten our relationship, for instance, to a much better place than it used to be. It's much better than it was when I was drinking. It's much better than it was in the first couple of years of my sobriety on all levels. Communication, um, you know, just keeping uh, keeping away from petty arguments, um, child rearing financial intimacy in every aspect our relationship has gotten better but i don't think we've crossed the finish line to you i mean i don't sit there and go yep check that off our list our relationship's perfect well because i don't think there can be perfect well that's what i'm saying yeah and i know you have a different level of like an ideal and I am just plugging away day to day. I think. Like you I don't think, even think about this. No. This question. No. You're the one that's always like, there's got to be a higher plane. There has to be this euphoria or something maybe. I think it's like, not not like to be mean, but to like, that there is, there's going to be another threshold. Yeah. And I think there is in some ways, but I'm also thinking how our lives are evolving and changing with the growing of the children and the empty nest idea you know, coming up in several years from now, we've got to think about that. Well, that's going to bring on a whole other level of, of things that we need to think about. So I'm thinking of like growing and adapting with the 
life changes and how we make it better within those life changes rather than like this different levels of thresholds of of connection like the way we do i don't know how to explain it yeah that's good it's very theoretical what you're saying but i like it i like it so all of this all of this you know where are we going with the podcast where are we going with the groups you know okay We've heard something nice from somebody. They resonate with our story. And don't get me wrong. It's great to hear those things because we do need guide rails. We do need things to keep us going the right direction. But those are the things that keep us going. And for me, that motivation. And honestly, without alcohol in my life, I feel like the motivation is in a good place. I can sleep at night. I can you know, work when we need to work and I can find pleasure. Like our youngest has the lead in the middle school play tonight and they have a show tonight and they have a show tomorrow. And I'm really excited for both. We're going to both. Our kids got the lead. We're not going to just be one and done. So I, and I, and I know I will be able to sit there and I will be able to enjoy it and I won't be thinking about a million other things. So now that alcohol is not in my life, my brain works a lot better. But this, this fear, this, um, you know, like you said, what's the next, what would you say, plateau? Something like that? I said, like... Plane? Level? Plane. Whatever. Yeah. That is a motivator, which I think is healthy, but it, I can just, I mean, I can see how close it can be to being unhealthy and creating a need to be medicated. And so I have a ton of sympathy for people who, you know, especially, you know, I use this term a lot, high-functioning alcoholism. I don't mean it because I think a high-functioning alcoholic is better than a butt gutter, ugh, gutter drunk somehow. I'm not trying to make it a status thing because I think we all end up in the same place eventually. What I mean by that is, you know, I, I think when we get into addiction because we are driven to succeed, uh, because there's pressure on us, either internal or external, financial in nature, for instance, I, I think I can really relate to those people and they can relate to me. We're holding it together. Outward appearances are that everything's fine, but it's not fine. It's very much not fine. And that that's what I mean when I use that term, high-functioning alcoholic. You know, a lot of the people that we encounter in our groups and just people who give us feedback have that very, they have lots of that traditional form of success, which people think will bring happiness. So, of course, I'm talking about money, right? We've got a lot of people that we encounter that are in family businesses, maybe their second, third, fourth generation in a family business that has been successful in whatever industry. The industry doesn't matter. In fact, I was thinking about this the other day. In most of the cases where we work with people who are in very successful family businesses, we don't even know what the business is. It's like not pertinent, you know? Mm-hmm. It, it, it doesn't matter what the product or the widget or the thing or the service or whatever is because all of the internal workings of the family are almost always the same. There's often alcohols used in a celebratory, 
you know, um, a show of adultness, of success, you know, cocktail hour, um, celebrating the this the last quarter's results, whatever, whatever the case may be. Alcohol is ingrained in a lot of the the people that we work with that come from successful business families. Um, and so, you know, that's not my background. I'm not, we don't have a family business, but I can relate from the standpoint that my father was very successful and his father was very successful and woven into that success was celebrating with alcohol. And it's just part of who you are. And for someone like me, it becomes part of the stress relief and part of the medication and part of the ability to survive the pressure. And so, you know, I, I'm not in fear of that for what you and I are doing now because I've already done it and I know it doesn't work and we found healthy ways to get away from it. But I, we see it in so many people. Does any of that make sense? We're going off the path. Should I be panicking right now that people are shutting off the podcast? Because I kind of am. I feel like this was a bad idea. If I'm being honest, I feel like addressing one question was a bad idea. You know, I don't... Maybe not a whole, whole you know, podcast worth. I, I love it that but, you're always there to ground me in reality. But... I you could easily have making... been like, no, Matt, this was a great idea. But I know I'm not going to get that bullshit from you. I'm going to get the truth say, from you. I think that there are parts to the conversation that's not related to the question that have been truthful and, yeah. and maybe eye-opening. You know what I don't understand? I don't understand when the shift happened for me. I was a B student in college. I was a mid-athlete. I mean, I played sports, but I wasn't great. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't the next guy to get cut, but I certainly wasn't going to make the all-star team either. So I was kind of mid for so long. You know, I had some friends, but I didn't have the most friends. I certainly wasn't the most popular. Um, you mean in high school? High school and college. High school and college. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I was just kind of... Average. Yeah, and it was there was a lot of joy in being average. Why are you laughing or smirking? just thinking of a conversation about that this is something you want to share well this was when you were drinking and we were at the dinner table and that i bragged about something no you didn't brag about something it was talking about and it wasn't like we were real pressure hounds on our kids and and you would often say even when you were drinking that because they would also give a grade to their behavior and attitude not just their test results oh on their report their, cards their report school cards. report cards yes so <laughs> Excuse me, the cold. Um, so there was a comment about, about like, what's most, what I want to see most is that you are being a, a kind, thoughtful, whatever student. And our oldest son was maybe early middle school. And he said, so if I just got C's and B's, you'd be okay with that as long as I was being super great. I mean, this isn't the story exactly. <laughs> and our, um, our daughter was sitting there, and she's the typical child of an alcoholic in a lot of ways, and um, the oldest one, and they just seemed to have more pressure. And, of course, she, like, shocking. She would have never thought about getting a C. Um, 
And you were like, but why? Why would you just go there? Why would you just want to be average? And, and like, out of the mouths of babes, literally, like, he was like, well, because then that, there's not that stress and pressure, and I can just be myself, and I can enjoy all things. And you were just, you were just so, like, blown away by, like, someone just wanting to be average and going along with things and taking the day as it comes and doing your best but not like adding extra stress and pressure to excel yeah you just could not understand why you wouldn't want to excel at everything you were doing yeah and i have just from the way you were describing your high school and college days you had been fine riding along that, but somewhere along the lines, alcohol, like you said, that shift amped it up. Well, I don't even know if alcohol is what amped it up. I don't, I truly don't understand. I'm sure I'll spend countless hours trying to figure it out now, but I don't understand when that shift ha- shift happened. I think this might be a daddy issue for me. <laughs> I think, I think it might because I grew up, my father was always very successful in his career. But I knew that he wasn't much of an athlete, and I knew that he played clarinet in high school. So I knew he wasn't—I knew he wasn't the most popular kid, you know. Um, So maybe I just felt comfortable wherever I was in high school and college. But then once I got a big boy job, I was like, "Whoa, this is where my dad excelled, and I need to excel too." But then you also had those big boy conversations with your dad about. How's business? What are you doing? And then we owned the bakery and then you felt the pressure because it was our individual business. Yeah. But I think it was a comparison thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone knows the the mental health kind of crisis that there is with people comparing each other to or comparing themselves to each other on social media. Well, I never really did that. I don't think I ever will. But I definitely subconsciously, I never sat down and said, I need to make as much money as my dad, or I need to get promotions like my dad. I never, I never had those thoughts. Never. But I think somewhere in the back of my mind, that's where the drive came from. I mean, it's the only thing that explains to me why I was fine being just a happy mid person. And then all of a sudden I decided I needed to excel. It's the only explanation. And so the alcohol plays a part not in driving that, but in medicating that. Mm-hmm. And I, I, so if you are an alcoholic or if you are married to an alcoholic and you're trying to figure out why does this person feel this need to be successful? Maybe they're in one of those family businesses I talked about or maybe they're not. Maybe they're just comparing themselves um, to the, the parents that came before them. But it's a real thing. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I guess we should talk about it more and maybe that'll help it go away. I don't feel that way as it relates to my dad at all anymore. I mean, I've gone on such a dramatically different path than he. He was a successful businessman. And that's just not what we do. So I don't feel that way at all anymore. It's it's brought quite a bit of relief to my life. That's for sure. I think that's interesting. Um... Sherry, how does it make, so how does it make you feel when, you know, we, when like we're kind of on to something and, um, <laughs> like, do you feel like, oh, 
Like, okay, here's a great example. Here's a great tangible example. Um, intimacy, not your favorite topic. We joke about the fact that it's not your favorite topic to talk about. But when we get feedback from people that, yeah, that's, that's something that's similar in my situation, in my relationship, it's helpful for me when you talk about that. Does that serve as a motivating factor to keep going? Or is that just too uncomfortable of a topic and you don't care? I think that we've proven, um, because we are talking about it more, that it has obviously motivated me to talk about it and I haven't just shut it down and said, no, we're not going to talk about it. I mean, we have talked about it a lot more. Yeah. Good. That's all you got on that? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, well, I really appreciate this uh, this person, this friend, this uh, participant in Echoes, their, her question. Um, and I bet that was a surprising answer. And hopefully it sheds some light into how those of us whose brains work like mine does get into these predicaments where alcohol or whatever the substance of your choice is um, can be medicating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You never feel the need to medicate, though. It's pretty great. Why do you think that is? I don't know. Just don't feel the pressure? Just don't care? I guess I'm sort of like our son, that he was like, I'm okay just doing things, a lot of things, and only mediocre, but enjoying myself. I mean, I don't binge eat a lot of chocolate, but a little chocolate would be nice to have every once in a while. I don't know. I don't know. Well, thank you very much for that question. Again, um, we, you know, I said we don't have the format figured out, but I can promise you we're not going to spend an entire episode on each individual question. I know for a fact we're not going to do that. But if you uh, send questions our way, I don't know, we'll figure out a way to try to address some of them. Maybe that'll be fun. Oh, I just remembered. Oh, I, bet I was kind of stalling because I was trying to remember what the other thing was I wanted to talk about that I didn't write down. I just remember what it is. We're recording this podcast. It's going to be published the Monday of Thanksgiving week. I want to give a little plug for Thanksgiving dinner conversations with the extended family. You know, SNL has made millions of dollars doing skits on dysfunctional families having Thanksgiving dinner. And they're some of my favorite skits to watch, actually. But I I heard a great tip from an actual psychologist. Ooh. I know. Who talked about, you know, you know what you want to do to make your Thanksgiving dinner successful? Don't give advice. And encourage other people in your family not to give advice. We all go off. We become adults. We go off to the four corners of the universe. And then we come back and we sit at this table and we're bringing each other up to speed on what's going on with our lives. And I don't know. I don't know why it is. It's just part of being a family. We feel compelled to, oh, um, I noticed you didn't bring anyone with you to Thanksgiving dinner, not, not dating anyone, not, not seeing anyone. Well, you just need to put yourself out there more. You need to go find a hobby and take part in that hobby and you'll meet people that way. That's a really hurtful thing to say to someone. It sounds well-meaning, right? I'm trying to help this person find a significant other, but it just freaking hurts when it comes from your family. 
Why can't you just appreciate me for who I am? Why can't we just sit here and eat this dead bird and be thankful for each other's company? Why do we have to point out the fact that I didn't bring anyone with me? You know, oh, um, let's compare job status. Who's got the more prestigious job? Oh, well, all you got to do is do this, this, and this, and um, your career path will be more successful. Have you thought about this? Here's an idea. You know, we think we're being helpful, but it hurts. Hurts like hell. Because you want to show up and be appreciated for who you are. This is your family. You don't want to be judged. You don't want to be corrected. You don't want to get advice. So here I am giving advice to our listeners about how not to fuck up your Thanksgiving dinner. (laughs) But I thought so much about this. It was like, well, I know exactly what it was. It was almost exactly two years ago uh, on like one of these radio psychology call-in shows that I heard this. And it just makes so much sense to me. Be a good listener when someone's telling you what's up with them. Not a solver of their problem. They didn't say they had a problem. Um, and even if they do, still just be a good listener because they don't want your advice on how to fix their relationships or how to fix their careers. They want to trust you and be able to share. So here we are, son and daughter coming back from college. I am going to practice this. If they say, oh, you know, this is how this class is hard or me and this friend aren't getting along or, you know, I broke up with so-and-so. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. How does that make you feel? That's going to be the full extent of my offering. There's going to be no, well, if you only did this, then everything would get better. Because I'm going to try not to wreck Thanksgiving dinner. It's a good goal to have, don't you think? It's a very good goal to have. Would you like to join us for eating the turkey neck uh, before the turkey? Because I know me and the kids, that's our favorite part of Thanksgiving. How about you, Sherry? Not my favorite part of Thanksgiving. More neck for me. Before you go, we hope you'll consider these three resources. If you love or loved an alcoholic, we offer support and connection in our Echoes of Recovery group. Check us out at echoesofrecovery.org. If you are a high-functioning alcoholic seeking methods and connection in early sobriety, we're ready for you at shoutsobriety.org. No matter who you are, there's something for you in our book, Sober Evolution, Evolve into Sobriety and Recover Your Alcoholic Marriage. Go to SoberEvolution.org. For my wife, Sherry Salis, I'm Matt Salis. Thanks for listening to the Untoxicated Podcast.